Macworld Podcast number 320 for September 19th, 2012. Welcome to another Macro Podcast. I'm Chris Breen. As you undoubtedly know, today Apple released iOS 6, the latest update to the operating system for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch. But is it the greatest as well as latest? For that answer, I turn to two of my Macworld colleagues right about now. I'm joined by my colleagues Dan Morin and Serenity Caldwell to talk about today's big event, and that's the release of iOS 6. Hey, guys. Hi, Chris. Howdy. So before we get to the highlights of iOS 6, let's throw a little cold water on those who have been itching to get it. Which devices support it and which don't? Well, you've got a, you kind of got a mix there. So if you're using an iPad, then you are, as long as you don't have an original iPad, you're pretty much okay. If you got the iPad 2 or the new iPad, as Apple styles it, you should be just fine. On the iPhone side, the 4S and the 4 are pretty much uh, all good. If you have somehow managed to acquire an iPhone 5 already, then good for you. That'll run it as well. Um, when we get into the 3GS... Uh, we start talking about uh, features that don't necessarily work as well. But in theory, the 3GS will run it. You just won't necessarily get the entire experience. And on the iPod Touch side, the fourth generation, which is the uh, current one until the new iPod, the fifth generation one comes out in October, I believe, will run it. Um, so you got the choice of the last two generations there. If you were a 3GS owner, would you put iOS 6 on there, even though technically it would run? That's a good question. Um, it really dep- I haven't had a chance to test out a 3GS running iOS 6 yet, but seeing as how the 3GS has had some problems with, and or specifically the 3G has had some problems with iOS 4 and 5 in the past, it might not be the best of ideas if you want your system to continue running very fast. Most likely some of the new animations that they have in the operating system uh, most uh, there are quite a few features that the 3GS does not get that the newer phones do get, but I'm still skeptical about how fast iOS 6 will actually run on the 3GS. Apple is no longer selling the model, so that may be a uh, an indication. Yeah, I think it's probably not a bad idea if you have a 3GS to wait until somebody else does it, because rolling back an iOS installation is sometimes impossible or at least very, very difficult. So... Um... Wait, right, and a, and a lot of the new features, like like we're saying, won't necessarily be even available. So if you want to take advantage of, well, obviously you don't have things like Siri already. Can't really do FaceTime with no front facing camera. You know, there's a lot of stuff that 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 might be more compelling upgrades, but aren't going to really affect 3GS owners because even if they do upgrade, they can't necessarily get them. Right, and given that Apple is almost giving away a better phone now when you purchase a new iPhone. Um, but the four, right? The four is cheap. Yeah, the four is free with yeah. a two-year contract. The four is four is free. Four S is just ninety-nine dollars. So people who are ready to upgrade, and as a three GS owner, you, I believe, are coming to the end of your two-year contract around this time. There are definitely some good options. There you go. Okay, so let's look at some of the new features. Um, Apple has been talking a lot about Maps. So what's new in there? Wow, what isn't new? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, Maps is clearly the most overhauled application in iOS 6. It is also, I would argue, the most substantive uh, substantive overhaul of a built-in iOS app that we have seen pretty much in the iPhone's history. 
Um, it's been redone from the ground up, and that includes both the underlying mapping engine, and uh, which is now being provided by Apple instead of in the past as it was by Google. Um, so we now have an entirely new set of maps, which look really, really pretty. They're vector-based, so they're, that means they draw very fast when you zoom in and out. Rather than being sort of uh, bitmap uh, pictures, they can sort of they can be scaled dynamically. Um, in addition, they, uh, Apple, as always, has really spent a lot of time clearly on the quality of the art in the maps, which look very nice. But in addition to that, we've got a whole bunch of new functionality uh, at the top of the list of which is turn-by-turn is -turn directions. So you can now use your phone as an actual GPS device, plug in the destination you want to go to, and if you're using it, again, on a 4S or a 5, um, then Siri will direct you and tell you where you are going. So is there any reason for anybody to have a GPS anymore? Is this good enough that they can throw away their dedicated units? Maybe in a little bit. Uh, right now, it's very clear that Apple's implementation of Maps is still very much a new implementation. They're pulling data from a lot of different sources. They're partnering with TomTom for some of their turn-by-turn -turn directions. And while some places like San Francisco, they've got it pretty well locked down because they've been able to have a lot of on-site testing of that area, there are other places in the United States and probably abroad where the maps are just not quite up to par with Google's maps or possibly with a standalone GPS's maps. So I'd say, you know, we're getting to the point where phones could theoretically replace standalone GPS units, but I don't think that time is going to be right. I at the launch, of I wouldn't. Six. I wouldn't throw away your GPS unit if you already have one. But nor would I go out and buy one if you have an iPhone 4S or five. Right. Well, I've been using Navigon, and I found it really easy to use and, and pretty thorough. But on the other hand, I'm, I'm not out in the middle of you know, Botswana somewhere <laughs> trying to use this. So. Uh, I'm not sure that I'm even ready to get rid of Navigon at right. this point. Well, again, if you've, if you've invested money and time in something, there's no reason that you need to say, oh, it's all lost to me and rip up your you know, GPS app into shreds. But at the same time, I think, I think iOS 6 will be good enough for a lot of people right now. And I think Apple's going to you know, double down on trying to get it to work even better for everybody else. So once it's actually in the wild and people are able to start using it and finding where the problems are, if they exist, oh man, I told me to take a left here. I was supposed to take a right. Um, and Apple's provided actually a really good way to, to report problems like those. Um, so I think that having that, you know, real world experience will continue to refine this as a technology. But for a lot of people, it's going to be close enough. Have either of you used it enough to know what it does if you don't follow its directions? Does it say recalculating or in a stern sort of disapproving way? Or does it actually say, oh, okay, well, apparently you didn't want to go that way. We'll wait a few blocks and now I'll, I'll rechart your course. You know, when I've been using it, it actually automatically recalculates without chirping at you where it's just, I'll take a different turn than it wants me to take. It'll just be like, okay, turn here next. Uh, sometimes I will leave... Uh, the turn by turn on, even though I know I'm going a completely different route just to see what it'll end up doing. And it'll, it ends up spitting out quite a few acceptable alternate routes, including eventually the route that I ended up taking. Uh, but it's definitely like the, the mapping directions are very different directions than, say, a local would take, I think. I, I think I had it yell recalculating at me a couple times. And once I did have a particularly egregious moment where I missed a turn and... 
Instead, it, re- it very cleverly rerouted me on a method that to get back to the same turn. But right. it would have been a lot faster to just say, stop, turn around, go take that, now take a right turn. I've also uh, had occasional experiences where if I'm driving on a highway that has a lower ramp and an upper ramp, occasionally the Maps app will get confused and think I am on the upper ramp instead of the lower ramp, especially in standstill traffic. So all of a sudden, I'll have my route recalculated because it thinks I'm going in the opposite direction. Right. So still some bugs. So um, what about the 3D maps in, in iOS 6? That's one of those things that's kind of a... So iOS 6, as again, since they've moved away from Google, they lost access to Street View. Now, a lot of people probably use Street View like once or twice. So it's kind of a novelty, right? It's like, oh, I can look at my house. You know, there's a, there's a little picture of my house. Wow, that's amazing on my phone. So Apple doesn't have access to Google's extensive uh, logs of people driving around in cars with cameras mounted on them. Um, so instead, they decided to one-up Google by saying, you know what? We're going to put cameras on helicopters and planes. So they have basically things that, you know, helicopters and planes that fly over large cities and take pictures, which they then re- reconstitute into 3D digital imagery. It is amazingly good looking um unfortunately from a performance standpoint it's kind of slow it only covers you know major cities really although they are i'm sure working on expanding that and i really can't figure out what the practical use of this is it's cool though i mean that's the thing it's like as a novelty thing as a as a piece of eye candy it's it looks great but i i'm kind of hard pressed to figure out what people are actually going to use it for in the long term I kind of think like Street View, it's very much a, like Dan was saying, a novelty. Whereas, like, they have 3D maps up for a limited number of cities right now, including Sydney, Australia. And it's like, I haven't been to Australia. I would love to go sometime, but it's not in my financial future anytime soon. And so being able to whoosh around the globe and zoom into Sydney and see the opera house and see the various buildings and get sort of a sense of the city, there's something really kind of neat about that. And it's not necessarily something that's going to help you in your day-to-day life. Maybe you can use 3D maps, uh, like the 3D map of San Francisco, to reorient yourself and to get more familiar with a city that you're moving to. Uh, but in general, I mean, I just think it's a it's a neat feature. It's a cool way to show off the phone's processing power and, and you know, iOS 6's rendering and everything like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's ultimately a novelty. Right. Now, I am one of those people that occasionally uses Street View just to know what a building looks like if I'm going sure. – if I have to travel somewhere and go, oh, it's that orange building and it's not the yellow building instead. So those people who have found a use for this, is Google going to do something? Is there going to be a separate app that we'll be able to download and use their maps or do we have to go into uh, – into a browser and and try to use it that way at least some of the features will be available in the in safari but google has suggested that they are working on an ios app to bring the mapping experience back to ios 6 they've already done something similar with the youtube app which no longer is shipped as part of the operating system as of ios 6 but google has released its own standalone youtube ios app so I think we can expect to see something from them in the not-too-distant future that may return features like Street View to the phone. Okay. Now, Ren, in the past, Siri has been kind of interesting, and it was fun to play with, but I think a lot of people found that it didn't work as well as it might have. So in iOS 6, is it better, and what's new? Yeah, I think uh, Siri's gotten a little bit of a voice upgrade uh, with iOS 6. Uh, the nice thing about Siri, when it first launched, of course... 
it was labeled in beta. And while Siri is still, still in beta now, even though Apple isn't prominently labeling it as such, it's gotten a lot better with a year of information from people, from listening to people's voices in various dialects and various languages. It's getting more of an idea of sentence construction. Uh, there's some nice little things in Siri where you can say, you know, you can address a message to somebody and you don't, you can just say like, message Dan Morin, let's go to the movies instead of message Dan Morin, say, let's go to the movies or message Dan Morin that we want to go to the movies and Siri will automatically figure that out for I've you, which is kind of neat. I've a lot of messages. It's really distracting. Yeah. Um, I will say testing this. I will, I will say one thing about Siri, which is that a lot of people have given Apple some grief for you know so prominently advertising a feature that's still you know nominally a beta. Um, I think it's kind of good in some ways that they've done this because I think making it so high profile has forced them to really work hard on it to make sure that it is approaching that level of stability. Um, I mean, it obviously was a marquee feature of the iPhone 4s, but. It, a lot of people, you know, thought of it sort of, again, as a novelty. And, you know, it certainly took its fair share of Brunt a la the old Newton handwriting interpretation. So I think it's good that they've put it in such a place that it's not being shuffled off into the back with with year two and being like, well, we tried this out. It didn't quite work. Let's uh, let's throw it in the garbage heap on top of ping. Um, mm-hmm. Instead, I think it's good that they, you know, they're really working hard and they have tried to bring these new uh, abilities to it. For example, it can answer things about questions about sports and questions about movies now. Um, and it's not an easy technology, and it's really one of those technologies that's, uh, I think, going forward is going to be really important because it's changing the way that we interact with our devices. And yeah, it's not quite at the you know Star Trek level, talk to your computer and have a nice little conversation with it level, but it's getting better. And I think you know at least having that foothold there of this is something we're investing in is is good and we've seen measurable improvement on it in ios 6 absolutely and it's nice that apple has definitely been listening to people about their their requests for what you can do with siri for instance tying into maps siri can actually if you're driving on a route and you have a current route plotted and you ask where's the nearest gas station siri will now find you a gas station along your route and recalculate your route to drive past that gas station so that's pretty neat. Uh, and then you can also open apps uh, via Siri, which is a feature that a lot of people, I think, including our own Lex Friedman, clamored for last year. So let's talk about Facebook a little bit. It's um, it's apparently all over the new iOS. So where is it? How do we find it? How do we use it? And then later ignore it. I, I'm going to leave that one for somebody who uses Facebook more than I do. <laughs> Which is not that much more. Uh, Facebook has gotten the same kind of integration that Twitter uh, got in iOS 5. Uh, It has a Facebook share sheet, like the Twitter share sheet, hidden in almost every app's share button. So it's kind of neat. You're able to share share links from Safari to Facebook, for instance, or share a photo that you've taken to Facebook. And you can also post status messages, uh, I guess wall posts, to Facebook. not only from the Facebook app, but you can also do it from Notification Center. When you pull down Notification Center from the top, there's a little box to write yourself a Facebook status update. Uh, so it's been very, very deeply integrated. Uh, it hasn't. It's also uh, exists now in Apple's app stores, so you can like an album or uh, recommend an app, things like that. It's. I think kind of sneaking in to replace Apple's erstwhile ping a little bit, although you don't see 
the like buttons in the music app, for instance. It's only in the stores. Another feature that's getting an awful lot of attention is Passbook. First of all, who can explain it? And more importantly, how do you use the thing? Well, I can explain it, not that I've had a chance to use it, since at the moment there aren't a lot of opportunities to do so. Uh, Apple announced this first in uh, June at WWDC and and pitched it as a way to solve the problem of all these cards and tickets that you have to carry around with you, whether it be your Starbucks card, your gift card for Target, your stored you know coupon card for the grocery store, your plane tickets, train tickets, all of this stuff. This is just like more and more paper that we carry around with us. And so they're pitching this as the idea of like, well, you can store all your passes virtually so that you have basically like a little wallet with all these little cards and each one of them has a barcode. And instead of whipping out your, your actual wallet and pulling out your card when you go to the store in question or the venue in question, you instead pull up your phone, open up Passbook, tap on that card and hand it over. Someone will scan it with a barcode reader and voila, you've done it all without paper. In theory, an interesting idea for those of us who do carry around a lot of different cards. However, in practice, we haven't really seen how this is going to play out because though they named a number of partners in their presentations both uh, this past week and in June, we haven't really found any way of using those features. Um, and so it may be that in the next few weeks and months, these start to filter out and we get more of an opportunity to say, load up our Starbucks card and then go down to the coffee shop or buy an Apple gift card and go over to the Apple store. But at the moment, we don't necessarily have any way of testing it out. Yeah, and it's also, I'm curious to see how widespread it becomes. I think it'll start being popular in major cities and assuming that people or that companies like Fandango and the Major League Baseball have partnered with Apple like it implies on Apple's website, uh, people who are going to the movies a lot or attend baseball games, they might get a chance to use this or flying on airplanes. But I wonder how it will be in day-to-day -day store usage for people who don't live in major cities because I know – there are definitely when once you start getting out of the major hubs and you go to a, a town that maybe just has a single target in a 50 mile radius or something like that, uh, those stores don't generally get the latest up to date improvements that the stores in downtown metropolitan areas get. So we may see Passbook, you know, take hold initially in the major cities, but I'll be curious to see how long it takes sort of the outlying places to get it. Well, that's what I was wondering as well because. You know, around where I live, it's sort of rural, and, and we have the local Bijou Theater with the pimply teen uh, taking tickets, and they don't have a scanner of any kind. You know, they just say, so if I go to Fandango and say, yes, look, here, kid, I bought my tickets. <laughs> go, Sorry, sir, you're going to have to wait. They, they try to, do they try to rip your iPhone in half? Yeah, they do. That's, and, uh, that's but, awkward. Well, that, yeah, and they keep half of it, too, and that's that's a bummer. So, yeah, there is that, that um, this looks very whizzy and it'd be great in major cities. But as yeah. you say, out, out here in the sticks, maybe not so yeah, much. I think we've seen this issue, too, with uh, Square, for example, has an app called Card Case, which is the idea behind which is you sort of like have a account with your local, say, coffee shop. And you can walk, order something on your phone, walk in, say, hey, it's me, Dan, and they'll give you your coffee. Um, and I had, you know, I've known people who both work for them and work in other sort of tech industries around San Francisco. And they'll... Every time I'm out, you know, for an event or something, they'll all be like, oh, Square Card Case is great. It's the best thing ever. I'm like, can't, 
not a single place, um, you know, in my entire city uses it as far as I can tell. So I've never been able to use the thing. So it's just one of those things where it's like it hasn't really caught on. It's it's used by the early adopters and that and that sort. But I think it may be, you know, Apple's got a little more clout, at least behind Passbook and maybe can do something with it. But I think we're uh, we're still in the early stages. So what happens with things like plane tickets and train tickets once you've used them? Do they just sit there cluttering up your app, just like old receipts clutter up my wallet? Have a, have a little faith, Chris. I mean, what what would an Apple app be without some sort of gratuitous animation? No, you can shred those old passes once you've used them. <laughs> you just tap a little delete button, and it runs it through a virtual shredder. I did it at the event the uh, last week when I was looking at iPhone 5. I'm standing there next to one of the Apple handlers, and he... Uh, I'm playing with Passbook. He looks at me and goes, go ahead. You can shred one of them. I'm like, wee. <laughs> uh, it's entertaining. But if you also are one of those people who likes to save your ticket stubs for whatever reason, uh, maybe the future is not quite what you're hoping for. Any way to unshred them? I, 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 that, that, I think get a hold of that. Yeah, like, well, no, no, don't do that. Oh. I think that's kind of a one-way function there. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. We as Mac users often forget that iOS 6 is also used by Windows users. Wait, what? Yes. Shocking. Yes. Wow. Um, and if you don't know the answer to this, that actually increases your Mac coolness. But um, is there feature parity between those using an iOS 6 device with a Mac and, and one using it with Windows? Uh, broadly speaking, I would say yes. Um, you can get access to... I mean, most of the stuff is fairly independent. As we saw with iOS 5, Apple sort of stated this goal of you can use your device, your iOS device, without having to hook it up to a computer, without having to sync anything if you don't want to. You know, it's, it just sort of exists in its own little bubble. Um, that said, Apple is still offering the ability to do things like sync with an iTunes version uh, that runs on Windows or set up your iCloud account to sync feature uh, like data with uh, Outlook, I believe. So, yeah, for the most part, I don't see any reason why Windows users won't get access to anything on iOS 6. It's pretty much all, you know, stuff that's local to the device itself as opposed to stuff that works in conjunction with your computer. And, and Apple seems to be pretty clearly moving away from any idea of having to stay tethered to that, your Mac or PC. Well, I know one feature they don't get is um, iCloud tabs because their version of Safari doesn't support that feature. So that's a fair point. It's, it's cool for us, but... Uh... Sorry and and Safari on Windows, unfortunately, I don't think has ever picked up quite the, the amount of no. market share. That said, you'll still be able to, if you have both an iPhone and an iPad, you'll certainly still be able to use iCloud tabs between those two things. But if you're also running Windows PC, yeah, I guess you are sadly out of luck. All right. Um, when Apple released Lion, they brought in this whole theme of back to the Mac, that these are technologies that they had devised under iOS and thought, great, we're going to bring these to Mac. So has this... Is there circling back again now? Are we back to iOS? Have they taken features from Lion and Mountain Lion and brought them into iOS 6? There's a certain amount of stuff that's that's now on parity, I think. When Apple announced both Mountain Lion and iOS 6 in June, it decided that, you know, it's going to roll, start rolling out, I think, features that are apply to both platforms at the same time. So, for example, Facebook integration. We saw that Facebook integration was going to come to both iOS 6 and Mountain Lion, and as it is, we haven't seen it for Mountain Lion yet because it was scheduled to come out in the fall. I suspect that will coincide more or less with the release of iOS 6. Um, and so that and things like uh, the new features they showed off last week for the Mac version of iTunes, I think we're starting to see a little more improvement 
that runs on all of the platforms. So features that will span all the platforms rather than saying, we're going to add something over here and then we're going to add it back over here. Um, so as far as that goes, I think that they're trying to make sure that, you know, they have sort of this cohesive whole that is exemplified by all of their devices. Um, but I think there's probably a few examples of stuff that's made its way back over, although I'm hard pressed to come up with one off the top of my head. Yeah, there's um, Mail in particular that's is good. actually getting some features that Mountain Lion introduced uh, with VIPs, uh, where Mountain Lion had a has a nice feature in Mail where you can designate certain people as very important persons. Um, and that will translate over in iOS 6, so you can actually see a mailbox full of those VIPs. You can also adjust your notification center. So if you get a lot of emails daily and say you really only want to see emails from your boss, your significant other, and your dad, you can tag it so only those emails will show up as notifications. And then all the other emails that you get throughout the day, you don't actually see have to see them pop up on your screen every so often. You can just you know check it. Ren, I know that you have been putting together our um, iOS 6 ebook and and the iPhone ebook and uh, and you spent a lot of time with this stuff as well as reading everybody else's stuff. <laughs> so, you have a a huge overview of what's happening with iOS 6. And we often talk about Apple products being revolutionary or evolutionary, and so we have to sort of ask the same question here. Overall, does are there any brilliant new things in iOS 6, or is Apple simply refining and expanding on existing features? I think iOS 6 as a whole is a evolution rather than a revolution iOS release. Uh, just they're polishing up a lot of things. As we talked about with Siri, they're making that more refined. Maps is really the big breakout feature of iOS 6. Uh, and that one is still, that's kind of in the beginning stages of being refined. So I think you kind of have to look at iOS 6 as Maps is the one revolutionary feature and the other features like iCloud tabs and Safari and bringing over some of those mountain lion features in mail, uh, camera with the panorama feature, with it, which is pretty cool in of itself. They introduced that at the, uh, at the iPhone event uh, last week. Uh, but it's still, you know, it's a small feature that other phones have had. And while Apple is probably doing it slightly better than those phones have been doing, it's still, you know, it's it's building upon features and putting together a cohesive package. Uh, I do think they're playing with some interesting things. They have some updates available for some of their third-party apps or will will hopefully when, when iOS 6 um, launches. And uh, I'm Find My iPhone and Find My Friends are both getting updates uh, that play more with geolocation technology, which Apple has been very enamored with as of late. Uh, you can see that very much so in Find My Friends where you can now set geofences um, based kind of on the Reminders app uh, where you can set a geofence to remind you when you get to a certain location. Now, with your friend's permission, you can set a geofence to say, you know, remind me when my life, when my wife leaves work so that I can meet her, you know, I can meet her at a, at a restaurant on time or something like that. Uh, so it's, I think it's, Apple is playing with some some interesting new things in this release, uh, but I think overall it's a it's a release to polish. It's a release to move things forward, and like Dan was saying, it's a it's a release to connect everything across Mac and iOS so that they can move forward cohesively as one unit. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now you've both used iOS six through the betas. Is the experience greatly different on a large scale platform like an iPad versus an iPhone? 
There are there are some things that are definitely different, um, and obviously there are some features that don't go back and forth. There's no phone app on on the iPad, for example. Um, some of the stuff, you know, uh, maps in particular, since we're, we're obviously talking a lot about that, since it's such a big feature, I think there's a, a very interesting experience that you get on the iPad you don't necessarily get on the iPhone. As, as nice as the iPhone is for something that you carry around with you and you use for navigation, maps on the iPad almost feels more like a, almost like an educational tool at time. Um, because you can sort of, it's, it's the kind of thing I can imagine sitting, you know, on the couch with, you know, your kids with or something and saying like, oh, well, let's, let's find that on a map here. Let's, let's pull that up and let's see what we can, you know, look at the three dimensional view and we can spin it around and we can look at a map and figure out how that is next to everything else or what have you. Um, so in general, I think that the ability to do that kind of thing is much better suited to that larger screen. It gives it a bigger canvas. There's a lot more ability to interact with it. Um, so that's a that's a big experience on there. As far as some of the other stuff goes, I don't know. You know web browsing, I think, on Safari is always a little bit more pleasurable than web browsing. Um, or on, web browsing on on the iPad is a little bit more pleasurable than web browsing on the iPhone. With again, with the bigger screen, but uh, they've tried to keep a pretty consistent experience between the two of them in iOS six. Yeah, I will say one of the things about iOS six that I really like on the iPad is they introduced a new accessibility feature called guided access, which Chris, you wrote a little bit about. Uh, mm-hmm that allows you to limit uh, the iPad to one app and disable certain buttons. And it was originally designed to help children with autism be able to work with things without accidentally hitting the wrong button and getting frustrated and things like that. But it also, that becomes very useful in any, in a business that's using an iPad for a cash register or using an iPad for us to show a slideshow, something like that. Um, it really opens up the iPad to a broader market beyond that device that you sit on your coffee table and you play with while you're waiting for your television to come back from commercial or you're reading books on. You know, I I think it gives it a greater inroads into education and things like that. Um, And we probably should mention that Passbook, which is iOS's other big feature, is only available on the iPhone and the iPod Touch. So the iPad doesn't get the chance to shred digital tickets, mostly because it's probably unlikely that you're going to be carrying around your iPad in your pocket when you're uh, showing up at that airline terminal gate. That accessibility feature is very cool. Are there any other hidden gems in iOS 6 that our listeners may be unaware of? There are some a couple of nice little fill-ins for stuff that we haven't been able to do before, and I'll mention two that have to do with images. One if you surf to a website um, where so many has so many websites these days, you have to create a profile and upload a profile picture of yourself. Well, you've never really been able to easily do that on an iOS device because the traditional controls on a web page for letting you upload pictures don't work. However, in iOS 6, Apple has finally made the ability to just pick something from your camera roll or one of your other, you know, photo albums or something like that and upload that image. It's a little thing, but it's one of those things that I ran into uh, a year or so ago when I was trying out the whole work from my iPad thing, and I found mm-hmm. that I, I could not upload a picture of, you know, a profile picture to a website, which was a little ridiculous. It was one of the things I had to go back to my computer to do. So that's a nice little thing they filled in there. Likewise, if you're writing an email message and you think, oh, I want to send this picture of, say, my kid to grandma, well, I used to have to go into the Photos app and either email it from in there or copy it and then go back to the the mail app and paste it in. Now you can tap and hold and there will be an option to insert a photo or video right into the mail uh, message from inside mail, which is, again, something that we've had on computers forever, but it's nice to see it brought over to iOS. Very much so. And there's also, speaking of photos, uh, 
iPhone or the Photos app on the iPhone, the iPod Touch, and the iPad gets something called shared photo streams. So if you have an iCloud account, instead of sending grandma those 20 pictures that you took on your vacation, you can actually just select those 20 pictures and create a shared iCloud or a shared photo stream. So that means if grandma has an iOS device, those pictures automatically populate to her iOS device. No problem, you know, mm-hmm. right away. Um, and if she doesn't have an iOS device, if she just has a computer, then you get a nice little URL that you can paste into an email and she can see all 20 pictures right there. So that's a cool little feature. I think my favorite hidden features uh, in iOS 6 actually are in the settings app of all things. <laughs> Having taken numerous screenshots yeah, for the aforementioned books. Um, there are a couple of nice things. People who use Bluetooth a lot will be very happy to note that Bluetooth is now a top-level menu item. So instead of tapping three or four times to turn your keyboard on or off or to connect your Bluetooth speaker to, or to connect your iPhone to your car, you can now do it very quickly. Um, speaking of Bluetooth, also Siri and um, map directions, anything where you might be connected to a Bluetooth speaker um, you now get the same kind of option that you do with AirPlay in the music app. So if I'm talking to Siri and I'm in my car, normally my phone will reroute to my car's Bluetooth speaker, which is really annoying because my Bluetooth speaker in my car is great, but it has no visible microphone. So previously I would have to turn Bluetooth off anytime or pop out my car stereo anytime I wanted to talk to Siri. Now I just tell Siri to only, when I press down that button, to only take commands from my iPhone's microphone, but I can still listen to music through the car radio. So that's like a, that's a neat little feature. And then finally, um, Apple implemented a new setting called do not disturb, which I quite like. Um, at, in the evenings, previously, I would turn my phone into airplane mode because I wouldn't want to get, you know, calls at three in the morning. Uh, sometimes my West Coast relatives forget that uh, it's three hours later here. So at one in the morning, I'll get a call being like, how are you doing? And I'm like, I'm very oh, sleepy. Yeah. So now uh, Do Not Disturb lets you suppress notifications and calls uh, for a preset amount of time or you can just flick the switch and, hey, no more calling, silent things. And you can also set if you really have people that, you know, should be calling you at three in the morning, you can put them on a certain list and say, allow calls from these people. So, for instance, you know, if it's three in the morning and somebody's calling you because they're in the hospital, you can take that call without worrying that a telemarketer is going to call you in the middle of the night. OK, well, because we're never, ever happy. Uh, usually what happens is a, a version of the iOS comes out and we give it a few weeks and then we make a long list of stuff that needs to be in the next version of the iOS. So what's missing? What are we going to put on that list of things that we want to see in iOS 7? Well, I will, uh, I'll piggyback on something Ren said about the shared photo streams, which is very cool. However, there's a drawback with shared photo streams. If I share a photo stream with my significant other, for example, I can send them pictures, but they can't add pictures back to the photo stream. So we can't have sort of a shared photo stream. We each have to create a separate photo stream that we share with the other. Um, I assume this is done to sort of simplify things, but it's really frustrating because you you can think of all the things that would be cool. Like if you go on vacation with a bunch of friends or family, you create one photo stream that everybody can dump their photos in and then everybody has access to those photos. <laughs> Seems like a no brainer to me. Um, I'm hoping that in iOS 7 or before then, they'll they'll open up this ability to really share photo streams. But right now, it seems like kind of an odd drawback. 
I'm tentatively happy with Apple's Maps application, and I like where they're going with it. But I really want to see transit directions come to the Maps app. Uh, Apple right now has routed it so that third-party apps can show up when you say, I want to go to the Moscone Center from San Francisco International Airport. It's like, well... I, as the map app, can't get you there, but hey, Routsy, this third-party app can sure help you out. And then you tap that third-party app and it goes and it gives you directions to Moscone. Uh, I would really like maps to do that all in-app because God knows when I lived in San Francisco, I used the Google Maps app every single day to get myself around the city, to look up bus times, as somebody who's terrible reading a paper map, like that was a godsend for me. And to have it missing from my phone makes me very, very nervous. So the sooner Apple implements that, the better. I'll also throw in uh, one more thing, which is that we saw iTunes, uh, the new version of iTunes for Mac demoed uh, last week at the music event. And they showed a very cool feature called Up Next, which lets you queue up songs to listen to after the song you're currently listening to and to sort of rearrange those and play with that. That's a feature I'd love to see, especially on my iPhone, which I carry around with me as a music device all the time. And sometimes, you know, oh, man, I'm listening to this song. I know what what song will go perfectly after this, but there's no way to queue it up without either sort of trying to like fumble around and create a playlist or just sit there poised waiting for the song to end so I can press the next song. So that would be a nice addition. Yeah, I think overall I would like to see Apple do something better with the music app. It's particularly on the iPad. They seem to have a lot, an awful lot of space, and they're using it for album art where I think they could do more powerful things with it. Yeah. On the other hand, I find that iTunes has gotten way too complicated. So I think Apple's in between a rock and a hard place on that one. So <laughs> something more, but not quite that much. Uh, so it is, of course, the 19th. That means that iOS 6 is out today, and it's free. So, again, unless you have an ancient piece of um, hardware that might run this thing, I think it's absolutely worth downloading. Is there any reason somebody wouldn't get a copy of this? The only reason I can think of is if you're getting an iPhone 5 this Friday and you have an older iPhone, uh, your best bet there is probably just to make an iCloud backup of what you got and wait for your shiny new piece of tech to show up. Um, Otherwise, you know, have at it. Okay. And, and as a reminder, you can you can download iOS 6 for the first time, a major update of iOS right over the air without having to connect it to your computer. So that should be exciting and probably won't overwhelm any servers. Because <laughs> that never oh, happens. No. No, 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 no. It's very smooth. No, no. Very smooth. Good. All right. Well, thank you both for joining me. And, uh, and I look forward to using iOS 6 in a non-developer version. Thanks, Chris. And that wraps up this edition of the Macworld Podcast. I'd like to thank Dan Morin, Serenity Caldwell, and, of course, you for listening. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at macworld.com, or you can leave us a voicemail at 415-967-3622. This is Chris Breen reminding you that you can find more Apple, macOS, iOS, and technology news, views, and information at macworld.com. Thanks very much for listening. See you around.